is the blues on the street. Parade's complete, and Gloria is the new queen. You can't forsake the team in last place as they sang the Bruins to sleep. My memory is scummy, was this podcast that I'm in? Man, last season's out again, and Brink Moose is back in. Hey Pierre, what's wrong? What's going on? No team's gonna cut you a deal. Mitch said, hey Austin, you're awesome. Drop your pants and shock them. Now score like your game's freaking near. Unfriggin' believable. Sen's got no stars or snipers, but it's best draft in years. At least fans can't sleep easy, because here comes Lafreniere. Oh, hello there. Uh, this is Nick. This episode is brought to you by Sam Adams 76, a taste of the revolution. Of course, you guys know the sound of that. Obviously, Kyle and I are back in the city of Toronto to record this season two, episode four edition of the Rink Moose Hockey Podcast live from the Toronto studio for those of you who don't know, this is a hockey podcast where we talk about all things NHL mm. and their implications. There it is. In the fantasy hockey universe. universe. Kyle, you've already interrupted me, so why don't you introduce yourself and get into how you're doing today? Hey, my name's Kyle Nice. Not doing so well today, but we all bounce back sometime. My time is now. But we're introduced, uh, we're, we're blessed with the presence of another. Guys, it's snowy outside. It's cold as fuck. People are drinking beer in here, talking about hockey. It seems like winter to me. Hey, let's keep the let's keep this PG thirteen for now, okay? Less of the profanities, okay? <clears throat> um, yeah, no. For those of you, obviously, the loyal fans will know. Will Angles is here. Bill. Our uh, our our native hockey expert. Yes. Is, is back to 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 indulge us with his hockey knowledge. Whoa. Uh, we've got some spicy <laughs> topics this week. Obviously, Kyle and I, we've been on a big hiatus the last three weeks or so. Uh, very busy. Um, but we are here to serve you with our knowledge. And I don't think there'd be a better story to get into than literally breaking news. Just, I mean, I'm, I'm talking four or five hours from now. Uh, Don Cherry. Mm. Stepping down, as they'd say. Stepping down. They're going to say that in the press. Just, just clobbered, really. Like, yeah, um, basically clobbered. If you want to put it that way, I guess I'll introduce this by just getting into what I've been reading the last five hours. This is obviously just from the Athletic, totally neutral opinion, just presenting the uh, the, the we you know what's going on here. So, two days after sparking a nationwide fear with comments made on Coach's Corner, Don Cherry has been fear. removed from his long-held spot on Hockey Night in Canada succumbing to one controversy he could not overcome. Voices throughout the industry condemned the remarks Cherry made on Saturday night when he lamented the lack of poppies he had seen in Mississauga and Toronto leading up to Remembrance Day, pointing his finger to the camera and emphasizing his target, quote, you people love you that come here, whatever it is, you love our way of life, you love our milk and honey, 
At least you can pay a couple of bucks for a poppy or something like that. Uh, the article goes on to say after Saturday's night, after Saturday night's broadcast, it has been decided is the right time for him to immediately step down. These are comments from sp- someone on Sportsnet. During the broadcast, he made divisive remarks that did not represent our values or what we stand for. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, just just you know, m- moving on here. I mean, it it goes on. This article goes on to talk about his history. You know how this has been a reoccurring issue uh, in the past. You know, he's got into some trouble in the 1998 political leaders in Quebec complained to the CBC after Cherry called one of the province's Olympic heroes a, quote, French guy, some skier <laughs> nobody knows about, end quote, on the air. <laughs> Cherry has also referred to Quebec separatists as, quote, mm. a bunch of whiners, oh. end quote. God damn. Um, he also, you know, Cherry's gone on to say, quote, the people that drink the beer agree <coughs> with me, end quote. What are they thinking about? They're ticked off at the foreigners coming over here, earning the dough, end quote. So, you know, again, strong comments. He's got a history of this. Um, You know, he's gone on to say, I don't know whether I'm dangerous. I just say what I think. You could say it's bigotry if you want. I don't think it is. I'm pro-Canadian, more so than I'm anti-Soviet or anti-Swede. So, you know, that, I mean, that's all I got here. There's been some strong, you know, opinions on, on, on The Athletic as well, you know, saying, quote, there is no question Cherry is a Canadian icon, an icon of Canada's past, a relic from an old game that no longer exists. We don't need a TV arbiter to tell us who the, quote, good Canadians are. We never did. It's time we turn them off for good. So, you know, there it is. I mean, I just summed up for you everything that's happened in the last five hours, everything about his career and, 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 and you know, the, 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 you know the, the, the enigma that is Don Cherry and, and the reputation he, he's shown. So, in short, I mean, what was your reaction? I, I, this is obviously huge. This is something that's been 40 years kind of in the making. You know, our parents watched Don growing up. We watched Don growing up. You know, we, we all have opinions about where we lie on the spectrum, but... I mean, you know, without getting too overly political, just just on the surface level here, you know, just just to stick with the game. What do you what do you think this means for Don? What's this mean for CBC? I mean, just just what do you guys think? Uh, Kyle, you want to go first or? Uh... Sure, I'll, I'll give a little bit of a, an insight here. I'll say this phrase and I think it's very applicable here. Death by a thousand cuts. Don Cherry has been letting little zingers go like this for a long time now. And, you know, he's uh, to give him credit. He's always remained the same. He's always been that uh, that ancient relic who never really changed. And uh, I'm sure like Will 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 echo the times have changed. Uh, It's just so disappointing to me on a personal level that he couldn't get along with the time because this is a guy I really respected when I was growing up. When I was young, I, I loved watching Coach's Corner. And um, something that Don's always done well and something I've, I've always respected him for is uh, a little bit of legacy here. He's always respected the little guy. He's always painting the picture of the guy who doesn't get to get the credit. The guy going to the dirty areas, the guy blocking the shots, uh, the blue-collar heroes, uh, so to speak. He's a, he's a man of the people. A he's, champion of the underdog. Yeah, there say. you go. He's always respected first responders. Um and you know what? I, I really do think his heart was in a, a right place here. But of course, he found a situation that 
which I can agree with was was maybe unacceptable to him with the lack of poppies. That's a, that's a real thing to bring up. But his target was wrong. He he blamed the uh, the quote unquote immigrants, the people who have moved here recently, when really it's it's much more than that. So it, it's a it's an element of. Um, of ignorance on his part and, and a lack of adaptability. But uh, to me, this, while it may be the end of his reign as Coach's Corner MVP, uh, he, he does not diminish in my mind. I'm willing to, to stake that now. I, I'll always respect Don. And uh, he's, he's been a big part of hockey, a legend in the game. And I don't think that that should change with this dismissal. Fair enough, Kyle. I mean, like, you really can't deny the man has a legacy especially among older Canadians, people who are in their 30s, their 40s, who listen to Don Cherry on Coach's Corner as they were growing up watching hockey games. You really can't deny that. Like, it's there. It's there. The one thing I will... The one thing I will say, though, is that while Don Cherry has this, like, this cachet, this Canadian cachet of just being on Coach's Corner really like being so present and, 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 and omnipotent in like Canadian Canadians lives, right? Like every hockey game you're gonna get you're gonna get that break, right? That hour long or not hour long, but like decently long. It's brief. It's brief, yeah. but like but but in a sense that like you got a commentary per game from from, from Ron McLean and, and Don Cherry. Like that's pretty big. The thing is is like I think Don Cherry has always really been the same. Forty years ago he was the exact same guy as he is right now. But he's also 85 years old. He's a bit crusty. Mm. He's a bit pedantic. I personally think that Ron McLean is a way better commentator than he is. A lot more insight, whereas Don Cherry is a lot more like instinctual. A lot more gut feelings portrayed over the uh, over the tube. And I don't know, like, <laughs> it's 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 hard for me to feel a little bit a little bit you know bummed out about this because I I personally think that he should have been off the air like time ago. He, he's had his moment in the spotlight. He's made his comments. <clears throat> but I also think that he's very, like, especially incompatible with, like, new generations of Canadians. And on top of that, I think that there's a lot of more people out there who are, I think, a bit more capable in commentating on hockey games than he is. You have, you have a dude who's very old, and once you get to a certain age, you see things into a, in a lens of your, of your latter years versus, like, somebody who's, like, fresh, keeping up with, like, new hockey developments and sees them in a more, like, objective light than somebody who's, like, very, like, you know, right? Yeah, I think that's fair, Will. Uh, you know, I think that, uh, like you said, he hasn't really given us, us as mature hockey fans, uh, legitimate insight into today's game. I think what always made him a special guy is he always kind of had this lens to talk to the kids and to show the kids how to how to be a good old Canadian hockey player. And I think he's he's maintained that. The problem is uh, the game has changed. And uh, but you know what? I think uh, I think he still remains speaking to the kids. And I think there's still value there in in some of the the clips that he shows and that kind of thing. Uh, so in that sense, I think as we've gotten older and, and kind of grown out of it, uh, we're in that middle age. We don't have families. We don't. We're not kids anymore. So maybe we're this, his last target that he would ever want to hit. But uh, that's why I think that he hasn't spoken to our, our us as much. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting how, I guess you can say we're the final generation, you know, sitting around this table right now, a couple of 23-year-olds. We're the, kind of the last generation that's going to be kind of grown up with Don Cherry, you know? 
Yeah. But but just to address both your perspectives, I mean, Kyle's, I I get I get the uh, the opinion he gives about the true Canadian boy, how he always held true to that opinion, never wavered, which I respect. I respect someone who doesn't waver despite the context, stays true, you know, with what he stands for. Someone who grew up watching the Rock'em Sock'ems, you know, the 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 old DVDs of of his you know just just praising those kind of you know third line grinder physical players that i kind of model my game after it's uh it's very commendable and as someone who respects character on the ice just as much as i do um he he will be missed so you know i i do agree with that with with will's opinion you know you mentioned ron mclean personally i see ron as someone who always holds his cards very close to his chest never really gives insight Never really gives insight into play on the ice, to be honest. I just think he, he's an amazing host. That's what he is, Will. Yeah. He is he is the best sports host I have really ever seen. The anecdotes he drops, the timely, you know, references he brings up is is fantastic and he does it better than anybody. And that's why I thought they were a very good team. One guy doesn't really give opinions, he's kind of just an in- guy who introduces the segment and gets out of the segment as good as anybody mm-hmm. with creative on the fly lines. And Don is the guy with the hard line opinions, the, the hard punches he throws, so to speak. Yeah. So they were a great team. And, and, and that's why I'm worried how this is going to go moving forward. Because I really don't think anyone can replace Don. I think it would be unfair to ask anybody to come in and fill those shoes. And, and, and just for the record, I, I would be shocked if five nights from now on Hockey Night in Canada we turn on the game in, in the first intermission of the Leaf game and it's Don and, and, and it's Ron and some other guy. Mm-hmm. I would be shocked if they already make that executive decision. If if Elliot Friedman Ooh. is sitting there with 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 Ron McLean, I would just be shocked. Boy, yeah. So I, I think it's a big deal what they're going to do here. Personally, I predict for, you know, they might bring the segment back, but for the time being, at least for the next few months, maybe the remainder of the season, I think it'll just be your regular second intermission segment, which, you know, t- I think CBC, it's something they've been doing good at. I like the Saturday headlines. I think it's one of the best segments they've brought in for a while. I like that you have Chris Johnson and Elliot Friedman giving you the best stories in hockey, the, the insight in just a short five-minute span. I think it's brilliant. And, and I think they need more stuff like that. So it, it's going to be very... I'm most interested to see what they do here moving forward and what the reception will be in the public. I mean... It's 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 always very hard having a fixture somewhere and having that fixture one day disappear. But really, that's what it is, right? Like, commentators don't live forever. Dan Rather was on CBC for a while. Uh, then he just then he just left because you know what? Like, people get older, they get less capable of doing their media related activities. And I think really like that's just been the story with Don Cherry, like. Like I said, he's he's been a fixture for 30 and 40-somethings in Canada. People who grew up watching hockey in the 90s and the early 2000s, he's always been there. He's always been, you know, commentating on games and whatever. But it gets to a point where you have somebody who is, let's be honest here, like a bit of a dinosaur, a little bit, little bit you know, antiquated, brings in, does too much rambling, and that's what I find with him. Like, there's a lot of sentence fragments. There's not a lot of, like, good analytical insight which is what i think is like like there's there's quite a bit of it there's a dearth of that really like you 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 turn in the coach's corner you want to hear like inside tips secrets 
like certain facets of the game that you don't really normally pick up as a, you know, average hockey walk, uh, watcher. But with Don Cherry, it's really just like, well, well uh, Buffalo's got McDavid, you know, uh, yada, yada, yada. Like it's very, it's very like, it's very like spur of the moment, improvised, you know, not a lot of it you could consider very factual. I don't know. I think, I think like the best kind of hockey, hockey talk as with any sport, basketball, soccer, whatever needs to be very to the point, very an, like analytical, very like, like laser, laser focused onto like certain aspects of the game, but also personable. And I think Don Cherry has the very personable aspect to him with the suits and the, you know, the fact that he's fucking been on the show for like, like so long, but you get to a point where it's just, this guy's 85 years old. Seems like so much of the time on Coach's Corner, he's generating more and more controversy, more and more bad press for 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 the show in general. And you can see it in Ron McLean's face, really. Like I know I keep talking about him, but like <laughs> they're co-hosts, really. Like you have Don Cherry running his mouth, and then in the background there's Ron McLean looking terrified because he has to deal with the fallout afterwards. And I think Ron McLean, outside of Don, like. Don Cherry casts a pretty big shadow. We can probably agree on that, right? Like, he's he's there. He's always been there. Ron McLean has, has always kind of tried to keep, play catch up with him, sort of, right? Like, Don Cherry will say something. Ron McLean will either back it up or, like, abstain from the discussion, but, like, still have to follow in that kind of, like, discussion. I think that he has far more insight to offer than Don. And I think I'm I'm, I'm kind of excited to see who they put in as a replacement should this should this termination from Sportsnet kind of follow up because I think it's like his his time is over he should be retired I don't even know why the fuck he's still on the uh, on the air I don't know about you but like this is kind of ridiculous I, I can't stand the neck over the collar <laughs> they're really like they're really like tight like ridiculous lapels and then like this, the the flabby neck like spilling over it. Like I know that sounds ridiculous, but like it is a ri- it is a bit ridiculous. Like you just have a guy who sounds a lot like Doug Ford, like very like monotone, very blathery. And I just I think I want I need some fresh blood in this really because like hockey's an evolving game. Canada's becoming a lot more diversified, and that's not a bad thing really. Like can you imagine coming all the way over from Bangladesh and then playing hockey in Canada and getting really fired up into it? That'd be sick. And I don't think that this, I, th- I think that like a dude who's like very stuck in his time and uses something like a poppy as like a litmus test for like who's Canadian and who's not, that's pretty bullshit. I think like if you're, if you're walking, if you're watching hockey, if you're walking, if, if you're watching coach's corner by default, you are engaging in a very Canadian activity. And I think that's fantastic really. So like who the fuck who the fuck uses like poppies to decide whether or not oh I'm Canadian oh I'm not I think it, I think just the love of the game really is the best way to determine that. Hmm. Nick, no I've I've said what I want to say I mean, um, like I said I you know I commend Ron McLean for for making that statement afterwards you know uh, as professional mm. as he could have been. Tail uh, between his legs. Yeah, I mean, he had no choice. <laughs> he he got. I mean, he got a lot of he got a lot of flack. He because did. In, in 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 yeah. the in the segment in the segment. To be fair, in the segment as Ron as Don is going off, Ron is just nodding 
and gives an awkward thumbs up at the end of the segment. So yeah. until that point, he, it looked on the surface level like he was endorsing everything Don was saying. Thank to God he came over, you know, the following night on on hometown hockey and and made the statement and and the tweet that he did. So uh, you know, good good for him to do that, and and I think that's why he he's still you know with the company. Mm. The thing is, though, is he's always really been like between a rock and a hard place, right? You have the sport, you have like the 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 hockey net in Canada, the sport like it was Sportsnet, right? They're on one end. You have Don Cherry on the other. He's definitely because because he has like a little bit more of a bland personality. I think he's always kind of been delegated to the more second line kind of kind of like position on that show whereas you let somebody like Don Cherry like dictate how the show goes he has the ear of the sports net people honestly i i would really just like to see a shake up of that just because like <laughs> i don't want to sound like a broken record but cherry has had his time he he reached a generation of canadians and that's very commendable but he has not changed and the times around him have changed. And I think that to, to have like a very fresh, invigorating show, you have to have a shakeup of personnel every, every so often, because otherwise you get stuck into a, into a, re, a repeat. You know what I mean? The same guy giving the same commentary over and over and over and over again. And having somebody like Don Cherry throwing out a hot take and Ron McLean having to catch up with that because I don't know, man. Like, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in the producers meeting before that show, seeing what they're going to talk about. Because I feel like a lot of what Don Cherry says is ad-libbed. And Ron is always trying to play perpetual catch-up. Don will say something, you know, and then Ron will have to be like, well, uh, put, put it in the context. Like, And the thing is, is like a hockey show should be about hockey. Not about how you don't see enough poppies at a Mississauga game. And freak out because these people aren't real Canadians. Like, that's bullshit. That's total bullshit. The last thing I'll add to this is I think that uh, Sportsnet slash CBC has been Don's biggest shield over the last uh, maybe decade or so. Uh, coming from a four-month stint in the uh, the partnership sponsorship, sponsorship world in sports, I can tell you that that five minutes on CBC is the absolute gold standard for sponsorships and they make a fucking gold mine on this guy. So uh, for them to really get rid of this guy, uh, Don Cherry, like I said, death by a thousand cuts, their hand was forced. They by no means wanted to do this, cut the gold mine out, but uh, it was time and um, and the voices got too loud. So uh, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, but uh, Sportsman had to do what they had to do. And it seems like, like Kyle's definitely right. Like the, the death by a thousand cuts. It's just, it seems like these days, season after season, after season, game after game, it's just so many different gaffes, really. Like over and over again, you have a guy who says the wrong thing, alienates the wrong side of the, uh, of the, of the game. And I feel like it's just, you know, like this, this is what he took it too far this time. And they've, they've decided, you know what, to, maybe distance themselves a little bit, slowly transition him out of the show. Mm. And depending on whether or not they have a better commentator to fill his shoes, and I know it's like a, it's a bit rough, like it's, it's definitely hard saying like, oh, Don Cherry, he's been a fixture of Canadian hockey for close to 40 years now. He's gone. 
who are they going to do? Who are they going to like? You know, bring in to like really like take this, take this, take this franchise to another level. Take this, take this commentation to another level. I don't know. Yeah, it's. I think. I think like they got a little bit too comfortable with having this guy in over and over and over again, and they really didn't think about too much into the future. Like, how are we going to replace him? If we're going to get rid of him, or if he passes away. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's 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 getting to that point where they have to really make those decisions, and I just don't think they were prepared for that. You know, it, it, yeah, you bring up a good point. Maybe they do have some sort of contingency because, like, smart people at CBC, they maybe they did think of you know, what if he does drop a bomb, or what if he does you know, pass away, God forbid. Uh, so the the next question, obviously, that we're all waiting on for the next five or six days is. Do, do they bring in a replacement? Who's it going to be? Or do they go in a completely different direction? Do they try to try to replicate the Don uh, experience? Or they do they go a whole different way? Personally, I would like to see a little bit more insight. Yeah. Less- but here's the thing. like, Don't we get that with all the other guys? I think all the other guys, that's their job. Don's job was more cultural, was more, here's the, uh, the cold hard from the heart opinion. The thing is, is like, Hockey is a sport like any other, and I I don't know about you, but when I when I watch football, when I watch the Super Bowl, and I hear like hot takes from like I don't like sports being politicized. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Politicized. You put your own biases into your commentary. To take a whole segment out of a talk about how certain people are not wearing poppies and using that as a Hey, you're not Canadian if you don't wear a poppy. Like, what kind of what kind of goofy goofy person are you? And the thing is, is like, I know he didn't really say anything like that controversial, but the implicit kind of message there is when he says "you people who don't wear poppies," he's not talking about Swedes. We know. Yeah. He's not talking about Germans. Yeah. He's talking about a a Canadian immigrant who comes over and does not wear a poppy. And the thing is, is like, it's not just that. Like millennials nowadays. People who are in their twenties, they don't wear poppies. And we're, Canada, I don't know if you guys know this, but it's a it's a very cashless society. Everybody here uses debit. Everybody here uses tap. For poppies, you have to you have to pay physical money. And I I don't know about you guys, but every time I go to the LCBO, pick up a case of beer. Every time I want to do that, they have the poppy bin right by the cash register, and I think to myself, oh, I should really get one, but I have no cash on me. So mm-hmm. I just don't, you know what right. I mean? Like it's, 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 it's the changing generation, the changing people in this country that really kind of determine like who is going to be paying money to wear a, a, a poppy on their, on their lapel. And it's, I think it's, I think it's very unfair to just generalize and say that people who are from, not from here don't wear poppies because they're very un-Canadian. I think that's very like ridiculous. And mm. it's not only me who says this, the, the, the defense minister of this country the man who oversees the Canadian Armed Forces has said the exact same thing. So having something like that permeate into a hockey commentary and take up valuable time, I would much rather be listening to, to, to like actual technical aspects of the game than hearing somebody lambast people who he doesn't think are true Canadians on the show about not wearing a poppy. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nick? I think we can move on. I think that was a good way to end it. I mean, 
<laughs> I think so. Changing the subject. Yeah, we got, I think Let's we got to move on. on. I, I got to host the show, and we do have to move on. So I, I do have to put my Ron McLean cap on here. Ah, and, shut oh. up, Don. And, and, and segue <laughs> us into, uh, into some hockey talk. Hockey. With that said, Kyle's been very animated, very oh. excited to get into this next juicy topic. <laughs> I think our heavy, you know, based Leaf listener... You know, contingent will be happy to, well, maybe not happy with what he has to say, but you'll be interested in, in where we're going to take this segment. So I want to just start by bringing up the, the obvious news that it looks like Mitch Marner will be out for in a minimum of four weeks. Mitch. Uh, looks like an ankle injury that was suffered on their Saturday night home game <laughs> against the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, tried to go out for a second shift, simply couldn't do it. Uh, just didn't look like in a very good place. And, and, and to my surprise... The first regular season game he will miss since his rookie season. Wow. So he's been a very durable player. Part of the reason I drafted him in fantasy. Oh, yeah. And and now I'm smacking myself. Wow. Because uh, I'm going to miss my fantasy all-star, at least one of them. For at least the next four weeks, so uh, okay, you know well, I'm I'm a little bummed, and, and it's no good timing with the return of John Tavares. Again, you're happy your team's getting healthy. Zach Hyman, right, right back up and ready to go, and 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 this this Marner news just drops. He is the catalyst of your team. He is one of the big hearts of your team. He runs your power play. I think you know the Tavares loss was huge. I think this one's even bigger. So I guess I'll start by asking Kyle, what do you think of the injury? And second, uh, you know, what do you just think of the Leafs in general here? Because I know you really want to get into that. Heart? What heart? You can't say well, heart I, with I the mean, Leafs. I, I think that injury, the way he tried to get through that injury goes to show you how much he wants to play, how much he wants to be there with his teammates. I think that only shows you he tried to do everything he could to stay in that game. Probably hurt himself even more in the process. And, and now he's on the sidelines. Mitch Marner is a dim, flickering light in an endless sea of black. Yikes. <laughs> With this fucking team. These hot takes. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. If you're looking for another hockey commentator to replace Don Cherry, I recommend Kyle Nice. Yeah, okay. So let's, let's get this right off the bat here. And I, I think the Leafs fans are just as disgruntled as any fan base in this entire league, even though they're not in the fucking basement of the league. Uh, this Marner thing is going to blow hard uh, for sure. But let's be honest, he's been kind of a weasel at five on five. <laughs> he has been, he's sure, maybe he's the leading scorer on the team, but his production has been almost solely on the power play. Uh, the team is just a mess in general. And, um, you know, I, it's funny because throughout this podcast, you've seen me go from, Oh, I love the Habs, but I'm a Leafs fan, I promise. And people chirp me. People are like, how can you be a Habs fan and a Leafs fan? And I fucking tried. I tried my hardest. I tried my best. I tried to make it work. I wear my Leafs jersey every every so often. Um, I talked, hey, Nick, uh, you know, I, I'd love to watch this Leafs game, but I absolutely don't want to. I tried my hardest. And you know what? This is the final straw. The start of this season, after the summer we had... In this city, the bullshit that goes on, we made a new song, ladies and gentlemen. Did you hear it? There's a good line in there about Austin Matthews dropping his pants. Now we're talking about Mitch Marner asking for way too much. Take a look at Boston. The Boston Bruins love to play for the Boston Bruins. They love that team. They wouldn't rather be anywhere else. Toronto's a bunch of guys, a bunch of little sissy superstars. 
who fucking come in to this rink, ask for their paychecks, and then they just, they don't give it their all. Where's the heart on this team? So Hutchinson's on waivers. He's gone. He? He's on waivers. That breaking That's breaking news. Ladies and gentlemen. Seriously? Where'd you hear that? Yeah, no, it's it's real. Just now? On the radio. Oh. TSN Radio, 1050. So no more backup? The backup is... There's a new backup in town. Who? Don't know his fucking... Like, they, Tell they me said his name. his name. I don't know it. Tell no. me his it's name. The, I've never heard of him. I might know him. It's gone from my head. He's some guy I'm I've never heard up. of. He's like from fucking uganda or something i've Wait. never heard of him oh there we go so so while next looking that up I, I might need to hop in here and 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 talk about what kyle just said and he's absolutely right yeah absolutely correct yes. in his opinion that toronto is a team of people who phone it in they're out there to get paid they're out there to work the most lucrative hockey market in canada and then go home and and cuddle their millions of dollars yeah. While their team slowly dies and uh, a, a slow atrophotic death. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I just looked it up. Uh, this is Casimir Kaskasul, right. uh, basically a guy who's had some reps uh, with their team, has never really gotten into a game as far as I know. He's kind of just always been an emergency backup. But needless to say, long stint in the AHL, uh, well aware of him. He's always been right on the fringe of getting in. Uh, and it looks like he's finally going to get his opportunity. So so good good for him. And I will mention another back-to-back looms this, uh, this coming weekend. Boston and Pittsburgh. Boston, Pittsburgh. So it looks like according to the Babcock formula, it will be Casimir Kaskasuo yes. starting in Pittsburgh Saturday night in the non-Don Cherry Hockey Night in Canada debut. I have one phrase what a night. for you. One Another phrase for you. Welcome to the Crosby Show, Canada. Get ready to get fucking toasted. I'm not done on my rant. <laughs> I'm not done on my rant. The word commitment comes up a lot for this Ooh, team. So like a marriage, um, basically. Like a marriage. There's a couple things hockey players need to be committed to to be successful. Defensive play. Atrocious. You've got the forwards. My friend Braden is such a big proponent of Austin Matthews being a two-way player trash he's terrible doesn't use the body loses his man whatever marner can skate 100 he can he can have 100 revolutions per minute per second and uh and he doesn't get anywhere with it with his defensive play tyson buries a, a a mirage in his defensive zone you see him but he doesn't do anything um and then cody cc this guy's not an nhl defenseman this guy's terrible. They must be trying to get rid of this guy because he's fucking awful. If you didn't have Freddie Anderson on some nights acting like a fucking superhero, it'd be worse. And we're, we're talking about a team that's barely in the playoffs. Uh, that's one commitment to defense. The other commitment, and you're going to love this one, and, uh, and, and this is my favorite one, is to sticking up for your damn teammates. Listen, hockey is a fucking physical sport. You know? In a sport where it's a collision sport, guys are flying all over the place. To have each other's back is such an important thing. You're a family out there. Uh, and anyone who's played any kind of contact hockey in a competitive sense will agree. We've seen it too many times. Guys get railed on this team and no one sticks up for them. I remember the, the Tyson Berry, Austin Matthews thing very vividly. Uh, it, and then Matthews getting hit as well. This team is absolutely not a championship-built team for all those reasons I mentioned. And, uh, and, and then, 
you know what? It, it, I don't know whose fault it is, Nick, but whether it's the general manager or whether it's the coach, uh, this is not a, a team that is easy to cheer for. Even their own fans. <laughs> fucking um, Steve Dangle, biggest Leaf fan in the fucking world, is livid every single podcast. I swear to you, this is a dark place, and they will not do well this year, and it's going to take a fucking miracle for me to put a Leafs sweater on again. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's no surprise. I mean, I'm not as not as all in on this take as Kyle, but it's no secret. I've had my doubts. I, I you know, I phrased them the last few episodes. The defensive play is certainly on point. You brought up, you know, it's Cody Cece, a name, you know, a guy who I literally saw the other night pass the puck in an attempt to clear the puck right to the opposition stick, and and he had an open net, you know, ready to go. So, I mean, that was. Uh, you know, that's there. I mean, Tyson Berry, a guy in fantasy circles who's used to putting up 60 points a season, now has zero goals and five assists. Uh, a, a, I Boy. Mean, just not up to his standard, which, by the way, I think it's about time you put him on the first power play. The power play is struggling enough as it is. Morgan Riley is clearly not healthy, missing almost every practice the Leafs have had of late. I think you mix it up and throw Barry on there, see what he can do. I think that would be good for everyone. And even Jake Muzzin, a guy who I have loved in, uh, in in my career being an LA Kings fan, a guy who Kyle met at a Tim Hortons this past summer. Uh, I mean, did you did, did you did you see that play Almost. that play against Chicago last night where he just flicks the puck into the air in an attempt to clear measly effort? The Chicago guy just catches the puck casually and just just it leads to a goal i mean it's just even the guys who i'm used to you know counting on on this team they're just they're just not proving themselves like you said without freddie and net this this situation would be dire and uh if it wasn't already dire already so i mean you look at their record i like to think of their record as a game under 500 if you if you count the losses with the overtime losses they've lost more games than one Mm -hmm. i think that's you know a a concern especially when teams like buffalo have been under overperforming you know florida surprisingly been okay you know tampa they're going to pick it up at some point soon montreal has been fantastic uh, and of course, you know, Boston juggernauts as usual. So they got to think of something here. And a, and a Babcock quote that he brought up a few a week ago, I found very interesting when he said, quote, you know, the first 20 minutes in, I like our team to be in a situation where we can be secure, mm-hmm. feel good about our record, where we can play let more loose and let the players do what they want to do. And, and he said, quite simply, we haven't gotten to that point yet this season, which is something they did last year. So Deeply concerning, and I'm curious what they're going to do now. So I would like to hear your guys' opinions on the ratio of coach oversight to just pure player instinct, right? Mm. Like, how much, how much, you know, like, leeway do the players do or the coach does give each other that sort of kind of deal? Like, is there, is there, a, is there a mix of it during a game? Does the coach... Does a particularly powerful coach take charge of the team, or does a particularly powerful player of that team take charge of the uh, of, of the of the play style of that team? I would like to hear that really. And it's it's a fantastic question. Well, Nick would probably know more about this. He's the coach guy, but what I can tell you is this: Mike Babcock is is a very strong personality. He's very set in his ways. Uh, he likes to th- have things in a certain way, and if you're not doing his way, then honestly. 
he'll find a way to either change you or kind of just sit you. My way or the highway, basically. Exactly. So what it seems to me, what my feeling is Babcock wants this, maybe some people call it old style way, or he wants players with a little bit more sandpaper. Mm -hmm. The general manager has never given him those players. He said, here's a skilled, fast team, work with it. And then he's trying to get these players to do something they're not comfortable with. And I think that's led the players to fall out of favor with with him. And the thing is, is like I think I think this is actually fascinating because for those listeners who actually have worked at a bar, worked at a restaurant of some kind, any any kind of people like that, you really understand the disconnect between the floor manager and the the owner of the bar itself, right? Mm. Can you imagine that? Like let's say you own a bar for example. You 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 pass down your edicts to the manager what you want your staff to do, how you want them to treat customers, how you want them to do this. Yeah. And then your staff does that. And I feel like that's in a lot of ways it really mirrors like the hockey experience, right? You have the people who own the game, own the team, the people who are like, like very like, you know, involved in the big picture decision-making and they basically dump all of that on the general manager who has to then motivate, send the players out into those directions based off of what the general kind of like edicts mm-hmm. of the team are. I don't know if I'm like really that far off. Like, would you I say think you're, Yeah, no, I think you're, you're hitting it right now is that there is that disconnect. And uh, one guy's frustrated because he's trying to coach a team where he's not... He, it's, it's not his style, basically. And, really? and he's yeah. trying... I don't know if he's trying to adapt or he's too stubborn, but I know these players can do so much. These players can, can play their style. And it almost makes me wonder... And I think, because I, I, I'm, I'm of the mindset that, you know, this team could use a bit more sandpaper. I'm, I'm sort of on the Babcock side of things. I'm not saying he's done a great job, but it almost makes me wonder, as, as Kyle Dubas, as a young, fresh, first-year general manager, is his insecurity in this position getting in the way and having him go, nope, it's, this is how I'm going to do it, and it hasn't worked, and this is how I'm going to do it. And, uh, and I'm not hearing anything else because I'm an insecure general manager. And if I let you dictate what I'm going to do, then people are going to see me as weak and not authoritative. That's interesting because you feel like th- that somebody who's like a first year general manager would have something to prove. Yeah. They'd really like to make a mark on the team. So to have yeah. like a wishy-washy guy, like kind of, you know, <coughs> not really make any decisive decisions as far as the team's performance goes. Mm-hmm. That's pretty interesting, really. Yeah. I, I want to get Nick's opinion here on... Because we, we've been talking about what does this team need? We, we, we know Babcock wants some sandpaper. Is that the answer in today's new NHL? Is Dubas on the right track here where I'm going to get the best players skill-wise? Analytics say these are the best guys. Now I want to find a coach who works with that. or who's. Tell me this. If, if you fire Mike Babcock today... Is this roster just going to turn around with a new philosophy, a new coaching system? No, I don't. I don't think so because I think you've been modern enough, dubious enough on the assistant coach side. You know, bringing in a Paul McFarlane, sure, a, a fresher voice, a guy who is a mastermind on the power play, as they say. Um, you know, s- someone like him. Uh, I mean, he. They've already tried that. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. I gotta, I got I to interject a little bit here. We're filming this show. It's all good. Commentating's flying. Hockey, hockey opinions abound. And uh, right in the middle of it, Nick's mom flies in with uh, slippers for a little mitt. 
Gotta love those. Uh, what would you call these? Well, moccasins. moccasins. Gotta love these moccasins on yeah. the on this on this cold winter night. Mm. Um, but no, I mean, I mean, Paul McFarland. They brought him in. They changed up their other assistant, uh, you know, coach, bringing in the Philadelphia coach, H- Hackstall. 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 So I mean, they're doing everything they can on the coach front. I, I don't think firing Mike's going to do anything. I for one like Mike. I, I like his comments, but I do disagree with some of his personnel moves. I disagree with the backup goalie situation. That stupid quote he dropped a few me- weeks ago, where we're defending his whole Freddie on the front start of a back to back. He was basically just saying, "Oh yeah, could you uh, could you imagine losing the first game and how your team would feel going into the second game?" Like I don't get mm-hmm. that logic at all as to why you start mm-hmm. Freddie the first game. It makes no sense. Start him against the better team. <clears throat> right. It, 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 it makes no sense. I'm happy they're bringing in a new backup. I don't think Hutchison has given them a chance to win in any of the games. I, I don't think he's been good at all. Um, so that's the number one personnel move. You bring up personnel, Kyle, I think they had to make. Bring in a different backup. I don't know much about Kaskasuo, but at least he's a fresh face. Give him a tryout. Back to backup coming up this weekend. And then, of course, some sandpaper. I do think they could add, you know, take out Jason Spezza. Bring in like a fourth liner who actually has more grit. I would like that. And, and, a, and a bottom pair defenseman with grit as well. You know, someone along the lines of a Radko Gudas. You know, so I, I'd like to see those two kind of personnel moves come in. Sorry, the Hacksaw, that, that was the dude? Yeah, Hacksaw. He sounds a little bit like an Incan emperor. Is he, is he a man who, is he a man who like really like, like ravishes like human sacrifice or at least human sacrifice on the rink. So far, it looks like he's sacrificing the season. Yeah, there you go. Very well said. But no, I think that whole coaching staff like sacrifice on the rink. You know, Mike, that's all he preaches. He he wants 110% from you every single day. So uh, no, I personnel wise, I think that's what they have to do and we'll see what happens moving forward. So um, yeah, what do you got to say? Well, well, the sandpaper comment really like, we have different grades of sandpaper. We have we have finer grit. We have coarser grit. Seems like something like that's very versatile. Like you have you have the players that are a little bit more like conservative in their playing versus players who are a little bit more liberal. Mm. How would you see? How would you how would you like rank that as like if you're going to use sandpaper as a term? I would really like to hear like who is the more like surgical player versus who are the, who is the more like coarser player? Like somebody who's like more of a body on the ice. For somebody who's more of a tactician. Well, the biggest problem is here is that Matthews is so surgical. He's got all these skills, all the skills in the world. Technical, very technical. Very technical. But the guy's six foot, like three, 220. But he plays like a little fairy princess. And uh, and the rest of the team is kind of the same way. Well, and just in light of that point, I was listening <laughs> to Ferraro the other week. And uh, he mentioned how there was a play in the L.A. game where Jeff Carter took it out on one of the players, hit him pretty good. Mm. And uh, Ferraro, obviously, being in the middle of the two benches, he's our source, the fan's source of what this team, this Leafs team is on the ice. Basically said there was no reaction on the Leaf bench. No chirp the other way. Not even not even a mention saying, Jeff, we're coming for you. Or or any kind of message mm. where you could tell the players understood what happened and they're acknowledging it and they're not going to take it lightly. There was not a single message from the team. It was as silent as, as anything. So, 
that rubbed me the wrong way. I wasn't surprised to hear that. And again, it only backs up, uh, you know, the assertions we've made so far. And I've been bottling this anger for no so character. long. Exactly. And for weeks, so we haven't done an episode in a long time for weeks after that Barry situation, I've been fucking like livid. And then I, I brought it up on, on Twitter there. The one guy they had that maybe could have done this job. Sure, Hyman's out, whatever. I don't give a fuck. The one guy they had that could have done this job is Carl Grundstrom, who's, uh, who they traded to the LA Kings. This is a guy who, uh, who was drafted for this role. And then uh, Dubas has it in his head. Ah, we don't need this guy anymore. Yeah. Let's trade him. Carl yeah. Grundstrom. He's a, he's a decent player with, with sandpaper. And they got rid of him. Like, he's, he's too stubborn, Nick. People talk about Mike Babcock being stubborn. Kyle Dubas is stubborn. He listens to his graph fucking people in the, in the, in the boardroom. Now, what are the graphs saying today, boys? Oh, yeah, just uh, double shift Marner out there. Like, holy shit, man. You have to use both. You have to use analytics and, and you have to use what actually is tried and true and works. Yeah. I agree. fucking hate this. Agreed. Team. It's it's overdue. And uh, I, right now, it doesn't look like Dubas is going to adjust anytime soon. He's in for the long haul and he doesn't seem like he's going to adjust here. So they might learn the hard way. Good. And uh, and you've, you've said you might, you might see them missing the playoffs here, mm. um, even though you had him in at the start of the year. So... As did we all. <laughs> so yeah, no, we'll we'll see what happens here. Can I move on, Will? Or are you? Uh, we've been teeing off on the Leafs <laughs> here quite a bit. <laughs> well, we'll talk about this slightly more, not too much more. We're not going to try to bore you guys, but. So I, I have one question for you, Kyle. Yeah. Seem, seeming that like you are the maven, of like the technical aspects of this game. I don't know. Well, to a, to an extent, would you agree with that, Nick? Uh, the technical, yeah, for sure. I would like to hear your 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 opinion on the on the connect between the the technical data driven elements of hockey versus the actual hands on guys mm. on the ice man with a stick kind of deal because there's there's I feel like there's definitely like dudes who sit in on like professional practices and take <clears throat> data on 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 shots on net how many make it in how many make it don't in you know what I mean like I would yep. I would love to hear like how much data really like influences the game of hockey? Yeah, and and I think it, it's a frustration point for me because since it is so new and exciting, there are so many voices out there who just fucking stake their claim on this shit. And it, it's funny because, and I love this point because draft specialists who like think they're the be all end all of draft uh, insight. They'll bring up a, bo a whole bunch of charts and numbers and they'll be like, oh, this is how my fucking rankings are. And if you don't like them, then you're an idiot. Well, guess what? You don't have, we don't need you to do this. If, if we, if we wanted to base everything or even 90% on fucking analytics and graphs, guess what? You don't have a job. Mr. Fucking scout doesn't have a job. We're just going to watch what the computers say. Like you're taking yourself out of the industry, you fucking idiot. It's and and it there's no place for relying so much on that because guess what? Nino Niederreiter was supposed to be a fucking star this year. How's he doing? I don't know. Dropped, the guy, him. Dropped him two weeks in. The guy's an analytical fucking darling all fucking career. The guy's a dud. He's an absolute dud. To me, it seems almost like a parallel of like Robert McNamara. Very, very, very statistic-based. Who the fuck is that? Hey, he, he's, he is the Secretary of Defense during the Vietnam War. Very, very, like, statistic-based. Uh, shots on goal. Uh, 
people who make assists, people make goals. You know what I mean? Like very, very like like anything that can be quantified, he will quantify it, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think hockey's a little bit more like 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 outward than that. I think we 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 need more adept people who can understand talent beyond the confines of a number based system. Yeah. Well, here's the way I see it. Just to end this conversation, because because uh, it's it's an important, timely one. Uh, I mean, as a, as a young student growing up at the University of Western Ontario, we had a we had a guest speaker. Kyle did not attend this 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 speech, but he but, but he but he said take he, he said take some notes for me, Nick. And anyways, it was a guy who had done some analytic work for a, a professional soccer team in the MLS. He had done some analytic work for the Western Mustangs. And his, you know, I, I expected to see some, I expected someone to be very biased, to be talking about analytics and how it's, you know, all this great stuff, but soccer and football, by the way, are far more analytical than hockey. And I think that's bullshit because hockey should be like, I think hockey is like very, like it lends itself to numbers. It lends itself to more like, like crisp data driven analysis. Soccer and football, not so much. You're going to let me finish this story? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Anyways, we're at this speech, and he basically, you know, I, I, I commended his take. He basically said analytics, all it is, is a supplementary tool there you to, go. To, to everything, you know, the hands-on, boots-on-the-ground scouting that Kyle and I and, and our good fellow Peanut McGuire appreciate. Hey, so The dick's out, basically. Yeah. <laughs> So I mean, it, it, it's it's it's. I agreed with that take. I think that's the way it should be handled. I think that's the most rational opinion I've heard out there. How it, there is a time and place for analytics. It certainly has a place in the game today. It's just all it is is a supplementary piece. And mm. how much you decide to implement it into your team is dealer's choice. And clearly, clearly the Leafs have have really gone all in on this. So. Moving on, Moving on, I want to go to a fun topic. Sure. I want to go to goal of the year talk. Okay. We have been blessed, blessed with four worthy candidates so early into the year, literally a month in, we have four goals to choose from. We're going to go, we're going to have some fun with this segment. I'm literally going to play the goals in front of us right now because it's been a while for some of them. And we're all going to rank these goals in our opinion. Will, of course, having seen none of them whatsoever, we're going to get we're going to get his live take <laughs> as, as to these four goals. So hey, hey, hey. let me take a piss first, like real quick, like a, like a thirty second piss. Nick can talk about the background of the game. I would love that, but man's had too much beer. So like thirty seconds. All right. We'll see you back here in 30. So um, just to introduce the topic, we have four candidates. We have, as of a week ago, and this one's getting a lot of traction, it's the Matthew Kachuk goal of the year candidate where he goes between the legs on Pecorine with just a few seconds left in overtime. Really something. The uh, Sonny Milano goal. Milano. Milano. Mm. The best name of the bunch here. Yeah. Where he goes between the legs on a breakaway finish. Mm. Uh, you know, really something. We've got the Andrei Svechnikov yeah. goal where he does, you know, as you'd expect, the classic lacrosse goal. I'm sure you've heard about it. It's been a while since we've seen someone do this in the NHL. So, uh, you know, that's that's something to, to be mindful of. 
And of course, this one, the first one of the bunch, October 4th, it was the opening night of the season. Oh. Blake Coleman with a one-handed flick into the top corner uh, on the Winnipeg Jets. So, you know, re- really something for worthy candidates, if you ask me. I think it's a big reason why, you know, we, we, we've included all four on this debate. So uh, without further ado, Will is returned. Uh, let's get started here. Um, so we're going to watch all four I think and we'll then watch, vote? Yeah, we're going to watch all in chronological order. Okay. And then we're going to vote which one's the best one. Okay. okay. But you've ripped like team versus team, right? Like we, we need to know who's, go, who's doing what. Well, we're not considering the teams here. We're just, this is the, you're evaluating the goal for what it is. is not the situation, not the fact it's an overtime. I mean, maybe that can come into your consideration, but really I want you to look at the goal. Sure. So basically pure hockey playing. Yeah. Beyond the borders of team and, 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 and ethnicity or <laughs> regionality, we'll say. Ethnicity. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's, go to, let's go to Blake Coleman Blake. here. Can, yeah. can we do the volume or do you want no yeah, volume? Do the volume. Do the volume. We can do yeah. the volume? Okay, we'll, we'll see how this comes across when, Sorry, we, when we record the show. Here we go. Blake Coleman, October 4th. No volume. We're going to go no volume. Technical difficulties. October 4th, Blake Coleman. This is a live reaction. Oh! Wow. See, see to, that to me, who the fuck is the red team? Let me, That's the Devils. The Devils. The, the New Jersey Devils! <laughs> there you go. There's your Seinfeld call. The, the David Putty, if you guys watch Seinfeld, this is his team. Honestly, I thought that was pretty slick. In into the corner, not even the corner really, but like the side, the fucking what is it? The right side or the left side? I can't tell. Yeah, if, he, he had the goalie moving to his left, uh, to his right, and then he flicked in the right. We're just looking at the replay here. It was it was a fake out and flick. Oh, to me that's what it seemed like. One, one of these angles here is very good at showing what he does. So here's super slow mo. Oh. He's essentially one. Oh, <laughs> imagine. Look at this. Yeah. He's fending off the defender with one arm and then he wow. off with his right arm. That's fucking sick as shit. You know what I mean? You guys have seen Mission Impossible, right? Mm-hmm. The decent amount of movies. Against all odds, scoring a goal. <laughs> to me that to me this is this this goal right here is the exact representation of Brad Pitt parachuting into Prance. Yeah. You mean Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise. <laughs> Tom Cruise. <laughs> Tom, Tom Cruise. See, but the thing is, like, I don't like Tom Cruise. That's the thing. So him parachuting into France and then beating up some guy in a bathroom to get his, to get his whatever, yeah. that, is the, that is the definition of this goal. Against, against all odds. I like that take a lot. That's a very good comparison. All right, moving on. October 16th. Sonny Milano. Sonny Milano. Sonny Milano. Here we go. Hey, Milano. This is a good one. Sonny Milano, eh? Woo. Look at this guy go. Bruh, bruh. Puck's going all oh. over the place. Oh. <laughs> Yo. Yo, Dallas got fucking dunked on. By Columbus, Ohio, the cannon goes off and shit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's so sick. 
Literally in the fucking corner. This Dallas dude knows. I love Texas, but trust me, this guy knows. He has no idea what's going on. So yeah, Will's just losing it here over this between the legs goal. Basically goes on a breakaway. He's going at a really fast pace, which I think is the impressive part. He dekes by the defender going super fast and has the has has the has the wherewithal to just go between the legs and put it in the top corner. 2-1 game. It's not even like it's 5 nothing, and he's trying out baloney. Torts, you see his reaction. I mean, look, look at the coaches here on the bench. They're uh, they're loving it, you know? He torts, oh, he's getting pushed they around. Him. Yeah. They're literally jerking off, man. Like, they're on the bench. Like, it's all good. This, these guys, man, it's all about pure plays. Oh, it's all about pure plays. This one is a little bit... Uh, <laughs> This gotta one see is it. Spectacular. Oh, give me, give me, give me the name. I want, I want the name. Gotta see it. Andre Shevchenkov. <laughs> Shevchenkov scores lacrosse style goal to turn David rich. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. So uh, moving on, goal number three. Um, Andre Shevchenkov, October 29th. Okay. <laughs> the snake move the real snake move like when I bring it when I bring a bag of cans back to the LC in, in a black garbage bag and I say yo like this is this is like you know 80 cans whatever and I scam a few like $10 extra out of the bottle return people that's what this goal is really being a scammer being a hustler being like flying it right in Oh, you can't beat that. You can't beat it at all. I hate oh. Carolina. I wish they were. I, I wish they were still the Hartford Whalers. But I'd back that shit. Wow, five hundred ten percent to the moon and back. You know, and and my favorite part of that goal as a goalie is the helplessness David Riddick is in yeah. because he's covering up the, the net as much as he can, except for that very top corner. And Svechnikov actually almost hits him in the face. He hits him yeah. in the cage with his stick, which is kind of insult to injury. Yes, I scored a beauty goal on you, and I smacked you in the face. It's really the, the ultimate insult to a goalie. <laughs> he ain't got shit. Okay. Moving right. on. Final goal, Matthew Kachuk. Goal of the year candidate completes Flames. What? Comeback? A special? Yeah, it's in an overtime with five seconds left. So... So here, here's Kachuk, Halloween from night. The from the beginning. From the beginning. Big five. Oh, check out right. the time left. We see, we see some guys flying around. Where's PK Subban during this? No reaction from Will. I see it. See, that goes to show you how incredibly hard this play is. So fast. Yo, play, play, play it again like one more time. There's a there's gonna be a better view coming up. <laughs> the goalie's got nothing on this, man. Like <laughs> Oh, this is so sick. Literally. This is this is literally a pure this is a pure play yeah. of angles. Oh Nashville has absolutely bupkiss on Calgary Flames. Oh, Imagine a skirt that hard. 
So there's the list. It's a very, like I said, a very commendable list. I don't think there's one goal there that's outside of everybody else. It, it's a tight list, all good in their own ways, all different. Um, very impressive. Uh, where, where do you want to start here? I mean, I, I guess, I guess, I guess I'll start. I mean, if I had to rank them, it's tough, isn't it? Oh, we're ranking, eh? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think I think we ought to rank them instead okay. of. Uh, Instead I got of, it. I got it. Okay. Immediately, the fourth one I'm giving to Svechnikov. I think the lacrosse goal gets the least hype for me. Oh my god. He's not. He's not really making a play. Come on. He's just behind the net, and it's the ultimate cheat code in a video game where he basically puts it on a stick. It's something you practice hundreds of times in practice. I'm mm-hmm. sure guys do that all the time in practice. No one was on him. There was no duress, and uh, he just makes the play. So that's fourth to me. Uh, third, third, I'd probably go with, um, oh man, it's tough. I think I'd go with Blake Coleman three. Uh, I, I just, I, I mean, I see you flick the puck with one arm. I mean, it is what it is. You're going at a fast pace, fending off the defender. I'd probably go Blake Coleman three. Um, and uh, and then I'd and then I'd go with uh, I'd go Sonny Milano too. I like the pace at which he's flying at. I like the executive decision to make that you know behind the legs flick into the top corner. Uh, I like that he jukes around the defender to start the play. It's really a great individual effort. And then I give the one to Kachuk. I like the time and place of the goal. I like five seconds left in overtime. The velocity, the sheer velocity you get on that shot. Um, when you just go between your legs on a Vezina caliber goalie in Pecorine, it's it's very, very commendable. So I'd probably go Kachuk 1, Milano 2, Coleman 3, and uh, and 4, Svechnikov. Okay, so we have very different lists here. I have to go number 4 is going to be Kachuk for me not because it was a a poor goal in any way i just see that as the easiest goal to do i mean he just it was a it was a incredible the velocity he made but uh it's probably the easiest skill wise of the bunch it didn't take any sort of extra stuff or tenacity It it was that's why i have that at four now number three i'll probably give to blake coleman uh the thing that stands out here is the tenacity the hustle and then uh, just the wherewithal to flick that one-hander. Beautiful. Uh, number two, Sonny Milano. Now, the, the, the initial deke started things off. And then, the, again, the wherewithal to tuck it top shelf. That's beautiful. That's very hard to do with guys draped all, all over you. Uh, the Why I give Svechnikov the number one here is because it hasn't been yet done in the NHL. We've seen that move. It's an incredibly sneaky, uh, cheap move. But, uh, hey, if, if it works and the guy can do it and pull it off like that, why the fuck not? It's almost like the goalie almost can't stop it at all. So it's it's an NHL first, and that's why it's number one for me. Will, what's your number one? It's very hard, it's very hard picking between the first two. I like a crisp, like, back alley kind of, like, sneak in. Seeing the puck go from... Mid rink, zipping down all the way in towards the uh, the other goal, and then like <laughs> tossed in really. So which one are you? Which <laughs> the, first, the, fir- the, the, the first, the first, the first two. 
I wasn't paying attention to the names. I was literally like looking at the playing style. Oh, that's a snake. Yeah. So the Coleman one for sure. <laughs> this guy got dunked on. Absolutely dunked on. It's a zip. It's a real zip. The, the first two, like the first two I was really impressed by. Let's go. Zip. Oh, it was that one. Okay. The So the first guys were Wahoo. This angle's good. <laughs> He has no idea what hits him. He really, he really does not. Um, honestly, like as much as I love the second one, Columbus versus Dallas, the first one's my favorite. You just like that one-handed. Flick. Oh, the one-handed flick into the corner. Mm-hmm. Flies into the boards, <laughs> gets. Again, American hockey players are far more better than Canadian hockey players. Wow. Where did well, how, how did this come off? How did this? All right. Come well, I, hey, I'm happy there were three different takes. I'm happy we had four commendable goals, and it just goes to show you how great they all are. Because literally, all three of us disagreed here yeah. with the goal, and we could talk about this for an hour about how we we think one is better than the other. But we just wanted to bring you that kind of rink moose first live <laughs> reaction to some goals and and what we think. So as of right now, looks like no consensus. But uh, we'll see what happens moving forward. Again, surprise so many great goals within the first month, and I'm sure we'll have a lot more. <laughs> I, I should mention that, uh, that I am on the cans. <laughs> so this, for me, this is pure tactics, right? Like, like seeing who can, who can slip the puck in to the net as quick, as quick times as possible. These guys are more about like the, the playing, you know what I mean? Oh, fair enough. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, moving on. Uh, moving right along. Some quicker topics here. Some shotgun topics. Sure, as, as yeah. Say. Great way to put it. A um, couple of dual topics. I've combined some here. So, mm. I want to start. These, uh, these, these comments made two or three weeks ago, kind of dated at this point, but I think worthy of mention nonetheless. Mm. We're going to play another game. <clears throat> We're going to go with which comment was more out of line. Okay. Logan Couture or Jason Zucker? Two big names in the NHL. Um, just to bring up my uh, articles here. Jason Zucker, of course. This was after a uh, 4 nothing loss to the Montreal Canadiens. Hmm. Um, where, where he stated, quote, It's going to be each individual guy from Bruce on down. Bruce has got to be better. We've got to be better. Everybody's got to be better. That's it. Mm. End quote. Very strong by Jason Zucker. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on, San Jose Sharks. A bit of context into this game. It was a overtime loss to Buffalo. I was watching live, and I was pulling my hair out after this loss because it was a terrible, terrible uh, kind of a, just a bumpkiss goal on Buffalo's part where San Jose just did a terrible line change. And in frustration after the game, Logan Couture made these comments, quote, Two guys that stayed out too long looking for offense. It's a selfish play, and that doesn't need to be part of this team. So we'll figure that out, end quote. I think, you know, again, worthy competition here. Who's more yeah. out of line? Which one, is, which one needs to be said? Uh, Kyle, what, what do you think here? Well, preface this, I think both these guys are great leaders in their own respect, and I think there's merit to what both of them have to say. Uh, with the Zucker comment, um, 
you know, calling out the coach like that. I think that in this particular case, usually by any standard of, of the means, I would not like this comment whatsoever, calling out a coach like that. But uh, in my humble opinion, from what I've been seeing, is it looks like Bruce Boudreaux is a little bit guilty of a little bit of that, well, fuck, I can't really do anything, so I, I'm sort of just going to coast through the season here. I think uh, that lends some legitimacy to uh, Zucker's comments and the fact that he's played decently. Uh, I think uh, this 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 is gives a, I give this one a pass here. Uh, now for the Couture uh, comment, I think it was a little bit offside here. Wow, I really do. And this I, is a heavy respected player who you I, respect heavily. I really do, and I think if this was made behind closed doors, this comment. Uh, like just to the guys, I think that's fine. I just don't understand why this has to come out in the media in the interview. I think that this is one of those things, leave it behind closed doors in the room. And uh, I think it makes you just look like kind of a, uh, a don't blame me kind of thing. Even though he had a, a very good point, I think uh, a good captain knows when to pull it out to the media and when to keep it inside. So basically leave it to Beaver, right? You got it. Exactly. <laughs> who's Eddie Haskell and uh, who, who's Mrs. Cleaver? I don't know. He does not get the reference. What uh, <laughs> I do more more so like, do you think it's better to be complacent when you're talking about your team or more like proactive? We want to talk about the, the technical aspects of the Bruins, the Canadians, Toronto, the Rangers. You know what I mean? Hmm. Yes. In that uh, in that same vein, I think that uh, Couture's comments rubbed me wrong wronger. I mean, I I'm not going to get into who was more worthy of making the comments. I think it's a fair. I mean, Couture had been the best player for the Sharks to that point. He was the only one really producing. He's still doing well. Zucker, I like that he scored the game winning goal and the first goal of the game the following game. So he backed it up despite making mm. that comment. I think that's important. Um, I don't know. For me, for me, I, I, I think Zucker is more out of line. I don't like calling out a coach. The coach clearly has no presence on the ice. He's not going to all of a sudden hop onto the ice and, and start making plays. I mean, to be calling out the coach saying he has to be better, I think that's a little bit out of line because he has no agency in the game. Yes, he can draw up, you know, whatever play, plays he wants, but at the end of the day, he's the man in the suit on the bench and he's not doing anything. Mm. Whereas Couture, this is the captain of the team, a heavily respected player on the team. If he wants to call out two guys for what was a blatant, terrible line change, and maybe that's because you haven't seen the change, Kyle. Maybe that's why you're not on, you know, on, on that much, you know, commending Couture for his comments. But I think, I think he was well in line to make that comment. And like you said, I agree with the in the room point. As long as he made that comment in the room first before going public and him mentioning that in public wasn't the first time it was, you know, shed to light. I think that's the mm. important point. I'm sure being the smart, well-spoken guy he is, the cerebral character that Logan Couture is, I'm sure he addressed that in the room and then made the comment subsequently thereafter. Fair enough. We good? We good? The analytical nature of this hot take. No, no bullshit. Nothing at all. Like literally, this is coming from a dude who's like literally sitting by Nick. All the gear, all the gear. There we go. A take Pierre Maguire, I'm sure, would uh, commend. Mm. Okay, moving on. Another, uh, another thing I want to touch on. Another double. 
No, it's a double, but it's less of a debate. I just want to address two teams, Washington and Vancouver. Oh, uh, what do come you? On, okay, man. so you must be Mister. No, you see, this is my take. This is Washington. No, yeah, the, the the Capitals. You must love this Washington team, Kyle. This or, sorry, them. sorry, this Vancouver team. They must be your oh. new favorite team. They they identify with everything you like in hockey: high skill, amazing power play, putting the puck in the net. This is the Kyle Nice new team. You're probably staying up at night watching every Vancouver Canuck game. Am I right? False. And I'll tell you why. Take, okay. Because for one, I lo- I, I'm super impressed with this team. I think they've added a whole lot of new dynamics. And as of a week ago, Ray Ferraro said the Vancouver Canucks are the best hockey team in Canada. In theory, I think I love this team. But would I ever stay up past 8 o'clock to watch, <laughs> to watch Vancouver? <laughs> No. Hot take, hot take, hot take, hot take. I love the individuals on this team, but I've never found it in me to like the Vancouver Canucks, and I do respect everything they've put together. Pedersen, sick. Quinn Hughes, great player. Don't want him to do well, but great player. Uh, best. Like I like this. I like the pieces here, but am I going to watch it? No, it's one of those things where I can I can enjoy it from afar. I, can, I like it like that. I'm not going to invest my valuable time, especially when the Colorado Avalanche might be playing the same day. <laughs> if I'm staying up for a team, it's going to be that team. I, I, would like to point out to, I would like to point out to listeners that Kyle is a very cantankerous, opinionated man. <laughs> the Avalanche is his, his, his deal. It's not. <laughs> oh, it's his, his crown jewel. The South Park hockey team. No, it's not. <laughs> it, really it, it really is. It really is. Watch. I, <laughs> Nick, I'll let you talk about this. Well, you were, you saw the South Park episode, right? Where it's Detroit versus Colorado? No. In no, Colorado. I, I don't. I, I've never really watched it. Oh, yeah? Basically, Detroit comes in. The Babcock Detroit Red Wings from like the mid-2000s oh, really? comes in and just destroys the Colorado Avalanche. No way. Um, Come on. Yeah, it was it was because that was a big rivalry back in the day, right? Yeah, they so, were both very good back then. Yeah, done deal. But uh, you know, and the other, it's an interesting to hear that because I thought you'd be really on them with the whole skill based play. Like I, I, I don't understand that. Yeah, I respect but, it. I respect. So what do you not respect? I respect it. What do you not like? I about just don't. Them? Li- I don't know. Like you don't like watching late night games. No, no, it, it's sort sort of that. But there's not a there's not one guy on that team where I like where I'm you like, don't like oh, Hughes. I, I really want him to do. You don't well. like Hughes. No, like I like his play, mm. sure, but but he's no Macaw. No, like you know, I'm against the Hughes brothers. All oh, right, you know that. Right, but that one's a little more modest than the other. <laughs> that one. one's more modest because yeah, I respect him yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The band with enemies. Right, but like if it, it's like a Crosby Ovechkin thing, it's becoming a Macar versus right. Hughes. Right. So obviously Hughes is now my enemy. <laughs> you know, Kyle's the Romans. Any hockey team he does not like is the Huns. <laughs> And uh, the Barbarians from the North. Yeah, no, that's that's a pretty good analogy. And uh, the other team is the Washington Capitals, who I just define as the team with the most swagger in the NHL. I love how this team comes into each respective NHL team's town and just starts talking shit right away. I mean, they, they start calling John Carlson John Norris. Yeah, for his 22 points in October, which is Fuck super, super commendable. 
I I love the the Ovi the, the, the Ovechkin comment on the Leafs ah. saying they need to play the right way and and how Babcock kind of he even drew, drew Babcock onto his side when Babcock went yeah. out and said quote well, it hurts when it's right. Mm-hmm. And I love that. It almost showed like Babcock was totally throwing his team under the under the bridge. Yeah. He wanted to coach the Washington Capitals for a second. Yeah. <laughs> I had a very different take to that one because I to me it seemed almost like Ovechkin was minding his own business and the Toronto media got got all up in his face like Please, please give us a comment. Please say, what do you think of the Leafs? Uh, what do you think of the Leafs' struggles? What do you think of the Leafs' struggles lately? And then he, what, what, what else is he gonna say? Yeah, they should uh, play the right way. Yeah, but no, you know what? It, it's funny because he knows exactly what he's talking about. Because for however long, Ovechkin played that exact same way. He he was he loved to score, didn't give a damn about defense, and uh, wasn't all that great of a leader. But he figured it out. And, uh, you know, his, his, his comments are legitimate and they're from the heart. And, uh, yeah, I think Babcock did the right thing. He agreed because it was true. And, and Matthews was the one who, who came off sounding like a little bit of a shit, if you ask me. So, uh, yeah, no, Ma- uh, like Washington is, is what they are. They're boring as shit, just like we said in the pregame, in the preseason analysis. They just go in, they do their thing. Uh, but yeah, no, Carlson has been pretty, uh, pretty interesting. He'll slow down though. He'll slow it down. He, he's got one of the best jobs in the NHL feeding, uh, Ovi all those one-timers. And I love the Kuznetsov chirp on Mikheyev calling him a dog. <clears throat> oh yeah. Because well, he, it's so real. It's, it's so, so, it's so, so true. smart though. Yeah. Basically saying, you know, he, he hears everything. He listens to everything, but he doesn't say shit. I mean, it's yeah. it's the perfect, perfect chirp yeah, from one native Russian to the other. Beautiful. So uh, just the swagger this team carries on and off the ice. You know, I know we called them a boring team in our season preview, and we, we didn't really want to sh- shed too much light on them. But, man, I've come to respect this team from just a braggadocious, you know, pumping the iron, you know, kind of kind of kind of attitude that they've shown on and off the ice. So I only I only like this team even more now. Mm. <laughs> if you want to hear pals of chirps, whether you're from Oklahoma, Texas, or Florida, call him a dog. <laughs> call him a dog, eh? Call him a dog. Well, and yeah, and another thing is, like, even when you guys, when you got guys like Tom Wilson too, like just like destroying guys on the ice, I think they've really cemented themselves as the villains. He's terrifying. Are, are they the villains of the NHL? When you think about, they've it? always been that to me. They're kind of the bad boys. I like it a lot. I, I agree. Yeah, I mean... I just like how they've taken that role. It's nice. I, I would agree. It's yeah. very nice. They've always been kind of uh, divisive in there in how they go about things. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would agree with that. And, uh, you know, another dual topic here. This one on the player side. Ooh. We got two players Kyle definitely wants to shed light on. Uh, one jersey that he owns at the moment. <sighs> another one that's on the way in the mail, I'm sure. It is. Um, Jonathan Druan and Kale McCarr. I want to wow. know your your take, A, on Druan and as someone who's watched him every game, I'm <clears throat> sure, this year. What has he done differently in his game? What What's he done to make him fantasy relevant again, to make him beloved in that city? What exactly has he done? And two, with Kale McCarr, 17 points in 17 games. How has he done it? What's the situation there with Sam Girard and, and their dynamic? What's going on in Colorado, especially with all these injuries that have come in the last few weeks here? I'll do Drewan first because it's probably a little bit quicker. Uh, last season, Jonathan Drewan was humbled 
to the point where he almost broke down his entire character, his entire psyche. And we've we've talked on at about this at nauseum. You know, he was always nicked for not being uh, strong in the hustle, not being a hard player to play against, and just kind of turning it on whenever he wanted to. Uh, this is a player that hustles now. This is a player that appears to care. Now, I'm not saying he didn't care before, but uh, he's watched his videos. He's dissected them in the throne room, and he's, uh, he's, he's changed. And, and the best thing about it is he's consistent. He's not just going for little runs where he does little fancy dangle do for like two or three games, but he hasn't gone more than two games without a point. He's uh, really found a good home on that power play, which is a little bit improved this year. Uh, he likes passing to Shea Weber there. And uh, no, this guy is just, he's, he's more consistently the guy who, you know what, he's not the super dynamic all-star that uh, maybe you thought he was going to be when he was drafted. But he's settling into this role where he, he's hustling and uh, he's, he's still a very skilled player. And now they're turning to him as, uh, you know, the, the offensive leader on the team. He's, he's, he's the leading scorer of the team now. So, uh, so that's Jonathan Drouin. He's not going to maybe make headlines for the rest of the year, Nick, which is, I think, perfect form. Consistently, steadily producing, and that's a beautiful thing. Now, moving on to this Kale McCarr. Holy shit! I was watching the game the other day. My house burned to the ground. I was texting Nick like crazy. I was like, Nick, you better be watching this game. Guy's got one. Guy's got two. And I said to him, this guy's playing like the best defenseman in the league. When Kale McCarr turns it on, when, when he is confident and using his skill set, he is the best defenseman in the league, and more importantly, he's one of the most dynamic players, period, in the entire NHL. The hands, he, he's, he's got a great mix of hands, speed, and a long stick. That's a long I, stick. That's why I, I don't understand. It's like he's... He, that's, he's the, that's the ladies like, man. Hands, speed, and a long stick. He's, uh, he's got like feet <laughs> like McKinnon, hands like Kane, but the, the stick length is like a defenseman's stick length. So it's... Uh, Trust me, dog. If I was a lady, hand speed and stick length, let's be real here. Like, I'd be done for. Yeah. So right now, he's third in the league in defenseman scoring. Not rookie defenseman scoring. In defensive scoring. He's got 17 Amazing. and 17. Amazing. And just the last couple of games, you've seen it. When he, when he wants to take over a game... It's fucking incredible. Like, this is one of the most exciting guys in the league. This guy is going to be Norris conversation for 10-plus years, and we're just starting with this shit. It's incredible. And uh, to, to be so uh, benefited to have him with one of the most dynamic guys with McKinnon, fucking watch out. There's going to be a lot of bandwagon jumpers in the next couple months, but uh, hopefully we got on early. <laughs> Can I ask you something, Kyle? Yeah. Who is going to be the biggest players, the biggest power figures in NHL <laughs> in the next 10 years? Oh, that was a, a timely question. Really? <laughs> okay. So we're going to have Alexi Lafreniere. I want to hear, I want to hear like literally like a scholarly debate on, on hockey players in the next 10 years. You're talking about like the next generation of stars? For sure. Kale McCarr. <laughs> Alexi Lafreniere. Um, oof. Nathan McKinnon's young enough. Okay, true. Yeah. Uh, boy. Eichel. 
<sighs> no, he, he didn't make the cut. Right? He doesn't make yeah, the cut. He, fringe. He's almost like it's like he's old news. You know? <laughs> like obviously Not McDavid's sexy, gonna eh? be there. Ah, fuck, I don't know. Like he's he's being so overshadowed by all these cool, fun new toys. Well, but no, no, he'll he'll be there. Year. He'll be there. He'll be there. Cool, fun new toys, eh? Yeah. Oh, Patterson. R- remember those words. Cool, fun, and no. Pedersen will be right up there. Oh, oh, oh. Add this one. Matt Barzell will be a top five player in this league for for the next 10 years. We'll back that. Matthew Barzell. For sure. Okay. No, that's a pretty good list there. Not Jack Hughes, but. Not Jack. No, I was going to say not Jack Hughes. The Hughes brothers left off the list. Off the list. Darlene, Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Darlene, I'd agree. He's he's got to be there. Yep. Um, Moving on. Oh, Quentin Byfield? No? Uh, if he's in last, well, you, if you're putting Laugh in there, do you put uh, the guy next to him in the draft? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Did this motherfucker meet him on a rink in Aurora? You have a good memory, my friend. Very good memory. Wow. I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if he recognizes me in, in Kingston. Yeah. And we'll get into that shortly. So I think just to end our uh, episode here tonight... Uh, we want to touch a bit on the CHL v. Russia series that's been going on, as well as some interesting news coming out of the U-17s, which was something that caught up with me. Which one do you want to start off first, the U-17s or the CHL? U-17. U-17. So I, I haven't not been keeping up. I didn't even know this thing was going on, really? quite frankly. Wow. But uh, I, just, I, heard, I heard native <laughs> resident, head of central scouting at TSN, friend of Kyle's, Craig J. Button mm. make a big comment the other night. You want to hear this comment? Go ahead. He was talking about Shane Wright. <laughs> and he had the girth. I'm to, in Shane. Let's go. <laughs> he had the girth to say Shane Wright's comparable in the NHL is one Sasha Barkov. What do you make of that comparison on Shane Wright? I obviously have a lot of opinions on this, knowing the kid very well. He's already very, very turned off. The beers are flowing. The booze is flowing. Kyle is like literally shaking his head right now. It's not good. It's not good. I don't know if I see this one. I really wow, don't. this is a miss, eh? I don't know if I see this. One. I don't think he's shown us enough to be known as that two-way guy yet. I mean, I don't think I see this. I think he, he said he models his game after Barzell, and he happens to have a great body and a great shot. So I think that uh, this is a weird one for me. Um, you know, maybe if a little bit of seasoning, I mean, Button's seen him more than me probably, but this is not what I thought of uh, at all in, in my history with the players. So. Well, as someone who's seen this kid play live, probably more than Craig Button, to be honest, because yeah. he doesn't live in Kingston. Probably. Um, you may not want to hear this. But I kind of agree. No. He's got a very good two-way game. No. He control he controls the play of the game when he's on the ice. The puck seems to be in his zone more than the opposition zone when on the ice. It's not an amazing shot, but it's a sneaky good release. Um It's a pretty good shot. It's a pretty good shot. It's like a sneaky shot. Um, and, uh, you know, he just, he just, he's got a presence on the power play. I, the power play, I don't agree with. I think, you know, Barkov's more of a net front guy on the power play. I think Shane is more adept at making amazing passes, making amazing plays, can play on the point, distribute the puck, has a more dynamic game on the power play. 
Um, I think I think I would agree with the exception that I think Shane's game is more dynamic than Barkov's. Barkov yeah. a little more stationary, does things well quietly. Yeah. Shane a little more loud, a little more shake and bake. Shake and bake, not quite to the Barzal extent. Because Barzell is just a, a pure a, shake and bake. A pure shake and bake. He's, he's a he's a he's a specimen in himself, but uh, definitely he's got more of a loud game, Shane. So I agree with Craig to an extent. I'm not going to rip on him, but there's definitely more to his game than Barkov. I think saying Barkov is sliding Shane a little bit, to be honest. Mm, I like that. I would like to hear though, do you appreciate more a a a defense or an offense? What do you appreciate more? What do you appreciate in, more in a center? Yeah. Like, do you, do you appreciate more aggressive play or defensive play? I appreciate more aggressive play, personally. So he's a, he, a conquistador. Yeah, I mean, because defense you can teach anybody, Will. Defense you can teach in the coaching room. You can teach that part of the game. The offensive part of the game, it's all natural. That's the stuff you learn as a kid. That's what's gifted to you. And so I think from a scouting perspective, you always ought to put more emphasis on the offensive side of the puck, mm. uh, you know, instead of the defensive side. You've heard it here first. Like <laughs> every hockey coach in the Northeast or the Southwest should be well should be listed in this hockey this commentary. Because trust me, like we have we have a law student, we have we have a sports marketing student, and we have an, we have we have an idiot who knows who, <laughs> know, who knows tactics. Trust me, listen to this. You will never steer a team wrong. And, and moving on in the amateur scouting ring, uh, I, I'm actually surprised Kyle told me this evening earlier that he hasn't really been keeping up with the CHL Russia thing. But needless to say, they do this event every year. Russia had a chance to play the QMJHL, the Q. where Laugh did not play in these games, which was news to me. I That's why I didn't watch. I was shocked to hear that. And then with the OHL games that have been going on the last few nights... Uh, I know the OHL won one of the other games. I know Byfield and Perfetti had a hand in, in that victory. Mm. But what have you heard, Kyle? What, what have you heard from the scouting circles, even though you maybe haven't been watching as uh, intently here? Uh, I heard uh, Byfield had a really nice uh, game, Good. especially him with Drysdale. Oh, well. nice. Yeah. <clears throat> I think Drysdale is making a case to be considered for the World Junior Team. Wow. I think he's got the talent, and it, it's just him asserting himself wow. ahead of guys like Justin Barron. Wow. Uh, the Q, yeah, I mean, the Q is kind of uninteresting to me uh, Like if when laughs out. Uh, one thing there, Raf Lavoie did get the overtime winner, oh! which was friend great. Of the, friend of the show, <laughs> Laugh Lavoie. Huge friend of the show. We're, we're, we're going to remind our viewers that this is a very hot take. Very hot. Very hot take. Very hot take. Like, like by no means. Like, like. Imagine Robert Darbenheimer deciding like what what you know nuclear material is going to make the atomic bomb. This is Kyle right now. Yeah. Yeah. Very a very disputed player on this very show, disputed, to say the least. Yeah, Raf. That's good for him. Raph, yeah. He's going to be on the team, right? World Junior Team? Yes. All signs. 13th man. The 13th man, as they'd say. Mm, (laughs) Maybe more. Okay, maybe Maybe more. more. I think he's more of a 13th man guy on whatever team he plays for. Okay, okay, okay. I'd say so. Well, you know what? I give him a 65% chance to have a good 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 for him. Good for him. Within within the 65% chance of a 13th man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, very good point. Okay. What else? Anything else? 
no, you know what? The OHL second game is tonight, mm-hmm. so we've only got to see one of those games. And from what I could see, everyone just performed as they should, and Perfetti had a pretty good mm-hmm. hand in that as well. Mm-hmm. So good for him. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just we'll see how it, how it goes. I'm interested to see the WHL guys mm-hmm. too because, you know, Dylan Cousins and those guys are still still pumping so along. Who, you, who would you say is the front runner of this team? What team? The WHL. Uh, eh, probably Cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, the Buffalo pick. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The Lakers pick. Yeah. Okay. But well, surprisingly, a lot of people don't have him projected on the junior team, hmm. which I think is that's, a little Yeah, funny. that's a shocking, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, quickly, because we're talking about amateur hockey, uh, what have you thought of Kirby Doc's debut? Um, you know, he's fitting in. Uh, he hasn't made a, a mark yet. You know, the, the points and the goals that he's putting up aren't like, you know, individual efforts by any means, but he's fitting in. I think if it were me, I'd send him back. Hmm. Of Um, course, yeah. But I think this is a great taste for him. Okay. You know, I don't think he's played his nine games yet, but he's gaining so much. Uh, He's a guy that's going to get along with the room really well really quickly. So that's great, and I'd love to see him on the junior team. Send him back for another year, work on the consistency, but to know that he's fitting in and not sticking out like a sore thumb and egregious defensive mishaps is a great sign. No, I, I could see him dominating the world juniors. Dominating. Yeah. Dominating yeah, with the that world body? juniors. With that body. That just, body, he, those hands? Even watching him in an NHL game against the Leafs last night, he outsizes all those little Yeah, leaves. yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's really something. And I think at the world junior level, he could be one of their MVPs. So I think he's got yep. to play in that tournament if you're Chicago. And I think that's what they're going to do, just given this trajectory and where we're headed in the next yeah. month. If he's hot, if he's on, he could be the best player at that tournament uh, with all his all his attributes. I agree with Kyle, man. Like, <laughs> drunk as fuck right now. Hit, hitting that whiskey, hitting that beer, but like... Woo. Kirby Doc. <laughs> I, believe, I believe in the Kyle commentary. I really do. Well, there you go. And hey, you're gonna get a, you're gonna get another chance to hear the Kyle commentary in two weeks' time. We'll oh. we'll, we'll, we'll record the next episode, which will be a special edition, a much anticipated edition, live from Kingston, Ontario, mm. where we Rink Moose will be live at the game, watching the Sudbury Wolves visiting the Kingston Frontenacs and an OHL showdown: Quentin Vifield versus Shane Wright. Icon versus icon, generational talent versus general generational talent, oh. tail of the tape. It should be a fun one. Yes, it should. Brah! There you go, uh, Kyle. Anything else to say? Uh, I think I think that's about it. I, I, I am excited to see my first uh, junior game in a long time, and uh, I I I got uh, Quinton in this one. You got Quentin on yes. top. Yeah. Yeah. Not a surprise. I mean, for the record, I'm Kingston Frontenax. One win, thirteen losses. Oh boy, that's like three on three. Uh, that's like us and three on three. One yeah. and thirteen. That's bad. Fair to say. That's bad. Pretty yeah. bad, eh? Yeah. That Shane Wright's not doing. He's not sleeping too well right now, is he? No. <laughs> Poor kid. Okay, we're done. <laughs> okay, we're done here. Uh, thank you for listening yet again. This is this live edition of the Rink Moose Podcast, season two, episode four. We look forward to next time. Until then.